Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 325, episode 2 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's share consciousness, and it is Tuesday, almost said Thursday, February 13th, 2024. Fuck. Valentine's Day. Shit. Fuck. Tomorrow, isn't it? Oh, I guess I better go to CVS and buy some more Google Play gift cards. This actually did just fuck me up because we're, we're recording this week in advance and I forgot we were recording it a week in advance and I was like oh wait, oh, wait you really were like fuck dude I guess for people who don't know it's Galentine's Day uh, I thought that was just a bit from Parks and Rec it's also uh, Fast Knock Day it's I guess the day before Ash Wednesday it's, it's already Ash Wednesday yeah Ash Wednesday Hell yeah. God, golly, y'all. I hope y'all got something to give up. Catholics mark themselves. For, hey, you know. National Cheddar Day. Oh, right. So it's Fat Tuesday, meaning Monday Tuesday. As I know, as I grew up in the church, we know it as Monday Tuesday. National Monday Tortellini Tuesday. Day. And National Pancake Day. But that's courtesy of the people at the International House of Bond Cake. Oh, really? Yeah. They've you know, because half big, of these days pancake? are just... You know, half of these days, just like some companies, like, just make my fucking product a national day. Big pancakes house. Mm-hmm. Well, my name's Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Sprained taint. I got a real complaint. Why don't my shit smell like fresh mown grass? Sprained <laughs> taint. Mm. I got a real complaint. Why can't I spray alfalfa out my asshole? <laughs> that is courtesy of Clio Universe in reference to the discovery last week that Sprint is yeah. 
the what which animals? Otter shit. Otter shit. Otter yeah. shit is called Spraint. It smells like fresh mown grass. Yeah. And I'm very jealous of otters. I want my shit to smell like that. I don't know. I kinda like when I take a nasty shit. <laughs> just kinda <laughs> it makes just you reminds like, you that you're alive. Yeah, like, oh yeah, I'm fucked I'm that, just, that my body processed poison. That part's just decomposing a little bit faster than the rest of yeah. me. This is who I am. <laughs> Fuck it. We're all going to die. It's empowering. It's empowering. Yeah. I'm going to eventually smell like that all over <laughs> when I'm in the ground. So yeah, exactly. stop pretending otherwise. <laughs> From whence we can. I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Hey, a.k.a. What that fucking skull do, Einstein? What that fucking skull do, Al? What that fucking skull do, Einstein? Nose tip to skull base. Oh, shit, this guy's IQ is really high. Okay, <laughs> shout out to Blinky Hank. <laughs> well, you know, Einstein, further or not, he ever took an IQ test. But what that skull do, you know? What that skull do, though, Yeah, Einstein. Yeah. Doesn't matter, by the way. We are not uh, pro-phrenology on this podcast. I am. I'm pro stinky shits and fr- phrenology. <laughs> You're coming out with all the very. <laughs> I'm just telling you, everything is measurable takes. with what you can see or smell. You don't Thank have to do you. anything. It's just all there. Yeah, I measure Thank my you, own Danny poops. Ainge. Yeah, it's all. It's all there. <laughs> yeah, don't don't Anyways. let people know about how some people in the NBA also keep maybe deploying the dark arts. Well, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by an author, musician, and podcast host of the Anarchist Survivalist podcast, Live Like the World is Dying, and the Cool Zone Media, uh, Robert and Sophie Lichterman's Cool Zone Media podcast, cool people who did cool stuff. Please welcome Margaret Killjoy! Margaret! That's me. I didn't prepare a song. I'm sorry. It's AKA fine. Magpie. That's your AKA, yeah. right? That's right. Yeah. What's the thing about Magpies the bird? Like, what's their uh, thing? They steal things. Yeah. That yeah, is yeah, how yeah. I got the name when I was. Oh, coming. really? They yeah. steal shiny stuff, right? And like build yeah. out the little shiny, like, bachelor pad thing to impress. Yeah, they, they're, they're a shiny object collector, like like crows and ravens. They're pretty yeah. closely related. To Do they have the same, ravens. like, memory, too? Like, how crows would be like, yo, fuck with one crow, it could be smoke from the whole murder. I think so. Only a group of magpies is called a tiding. Oh, that's oh. so much nicer. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, I like to think of it as ominous instead of direct, but. Right. Yeah. Wait, good so tidings to you, they say, before they rob your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Wait, what were, you, what were you stealing? What were you coming up on all the time? Uh, mostly food and books, I guess, when I was yeah. 20. Yeah. I, I got it for two reasons. One, I would like find little rusty and shiny things in like the street when I was walking around. I was a, I was like a crust punk squatter. Okay. And so I would pick up little rusty things and make weird bad jewelry with it. Eventually I started to learn how to make better jewelry. Uh-huh. And then the other thing is, yeah, I used to shoplift. Yeah. Well, like it was my job because it kind of was because it's how right. I fed myself and my friends. <laughs> yeah. Coming I would is... never advocate, oh, whatever, do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> do, what, do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, we wanted to have you on to talk about uh, cool people who did cool stuff. And then we found out about Live Like the World's Dying. And so we're we're torn. We're going to talk to you about both. Uh, okay. We're really interested in that. But uh, before we get into both of those things, we do like to get to know you a little bit better by asking you, Margaret, what's something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? 
this week I searched timeline of different countries and dependence from Britain. Mm. Mm. Okay. Because my job is researching history. And then I want to know all of the fussy details. That's what yeah. I came up with. How's it always, how's it usually go for them? How's that process? For people who leave Britain or Britain Pretty smooth? Itself? Yeah, yeah, really smooth. <laughs> it is a lot of different methods. Most of them involve shooting British people. Yeah. Uh, that is the primary way by which people have gained independence from Britain. Yeah. Who, who's, who, did it, who did it bloodless? Like Ghana? I mean, oh, I don't actually know. I, know. I mean, obviously there's the ones like, like India was like, had a lot of nonviolence involved in the movement, right? Right, sure. And you can contrast that with Ireland, which had a lot of shooting. Mm-hmm. Right. The trebles. Yeah. yeah, well, and then there's the whole, that's the, that's the episode that I just researched and wrote in the past week is the Easter Rising and all of the early Irish independence stuff. But yeah, no, it, it, um, I guess the cleaner break you make with Britain, the less ongoing violence there is. Ireland didn't have a very good clean break with Britain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but yeah, my search history is all I do is sit around and read history books now instead of being a like cool thief named after a bird. Or <laughs> <laughs> just what, go out there uh, and get some shiny shit, though, you know, just, yeah. to, just to let it yeah. just so you can feel it one more time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> what's uh, what's something you think is overrated? Okay, I picked I picked prepping stuff as for my over and underrated. Oh, perfect. Okay, overrated is bunkers and canned food. Mm, okay, for preparedness. Okay. Wait, and okay, now bunkers. Um, yeah, Shh. dude, this guy down on this bunker. This fucking and it's guy fucking just could, flooded back there. This dude just came through my neighborhood and convinced me and my neighbors that like we needed to to all go in on a bunker. And now, so I mean, bunkers, I think what the obvious reason, at least one thing we learned after talking to like people like Douglas Rushkoff about like how billionaires are so focused on bunkers. It's like, how are you going to maintain a bunker? Like if anything yeah. goes wrong, but what, what, from your perspective, what's the, what's the overrated part of the bunker? Well, it's like, don't get me wrong. If I had an extra $70,000, I wasn't doing anything else with, I'd probably have a bunker for like tornadoes and right. stuff. Right. Yeah. But Overall, this like mentality of, oh, the way that you survive things is that you and maybe your immediate family go crawl in a hole in the ground and then what? Watch TV until you die. <laughs> right. You watch Friends until the end of the world. Like, oh, in I really like movie, that movie. Leave I the world behind. But yeah. Did you really? Oh, I the, did. So the thing that annoyed cheesy. me was that they were like buying into all of the bullshit. They were like, they were like, yeah, you, people who have bunkers, the very wealthy people who have bunkers are going to outlive us all. And well, but what? the people whose bunkers it is are dead or gone. They just go and yeah, find the people's bunkers. No, no, yeah. I, I, there's some problems with that movie from a preparedness <laughs> point of view. And I think it's really telling that it was produced by the Obamas and it's like yes. this kind of, but in, but in a weirdly, like they go and they convince the prepper to stop being such an asshole, you know? Right. That's yeah. the scene that makes the movie for me. Right. Yeah. Is that Kevin Bacon's character from Tremors turns around and learns how to share. <laughs> <laughs> and what about it, it Cam? It is canonically same universe as Tremors. Yeah, right, yeah. right, 100%. What, and yeah. what about canned food? Okay, and this one's like more nitpicky. Canned food's great. Everyone should have enough food to like last a little while, right? In case like supply chains, which we've all what seen is, supply oh, chains. I'm sorry, just from your, what, what is the standard amount? Just so I can write this down. What, how much food <laughs> should you have? I would, if I, Overall, I would tell people to have uh, between three and six months worth of food in their house. Okay. Uh, okay that's but the thing about canned food is that donuts. canned food isn't like set it and forget it like people treat it. You, you right. actually, 
canned food is pantry food. You have to like rotate through it. So if people are just like, oh, I'm just going to stockpile food and all they do is go out and buy canned food, it's kind of weird and it doesn't really like work as well as like a system where more like the stuff you eat anyway, like if it's canned food and the stuff you eat, right? Like I keep a lot of canned soup and beans and stuff around, yeah, right? Because right. I eat it anyway. Yeah. Whereas like I do believe in, in food storage. I am kind of a prepper at the end of the day, although I believe in community minus minded preparedness. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like the I like the stuff you can set and forget. Like if you store beans and rice properly, you just leave it in your basement for the next thirty years. It's fine. Right, right. Mm. So I got forty days of progresso from the late nineties out in a shed in my backyard that's just been baking <laughs> during the summer and uh cooling during the winter. How how we think that's gonna hold up? You know, I mean, you got I'm, a chance. Totally. eats like a meal. <laughs> you got a chance. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, the, the thing is that I can, I'll, I'll give it to my enemies first because that's the first. So as uh, we know, uh -huh. once society falls apart, first thing that comes is your enemies and they're yeah. going to try and eat all yeah. your shit. Well, everyone's mm -hmm. your enemy once the world ends. That's what it, we've right. Zoom yes, out, Jack. Exactly. Zoom out. Yeah. Everyone's mm -hmm. the enemy. Yeah, but that that was the thing about Leave the World for people who don't know. There's a, a movie on Netflix made by the person who made the show Mr. Robot, uh, Sam Esmail. It's produced by the Obamas. It's based on a novel from like I think five to ten years ago, and the basic plot is that like somebody from outside the U.S. attacks the U.S. like infrastructure, knocks out like media, knocks out Wi-Fi, and then everybody starts attacking one another. <laughs> like, yeah. right? Like, everybody starts killing each other. Like, that's basically the end of the movie is that, oh, like, spoiler. people are, like, setting off bombs. Yeah, I guess I should... <laughs> I always forget to say spoiler on this movie in particular because I don't feel that bad about spoiling it because I no. think it's such bullshit. Wait, everybody loses their shit? Yeah, oh, but everybody oh. loses their shit, like, immediately because they don't have internet, I feel like, is kind of... And because they're scared. But I don't know, like I, I lived it. So it takes place outside of New York City. So you only see New York City from a distance, but yeah. like three days without the Internet and electricity and like all of a sudden like buildings just start falling, <laughs> like just like they've been fucking detonated internally. I don't want to defend this movie super hard, but one of the plot points is that it's not just that the Internet went out, but it's also that the. I mean, you can tell the Obamas did it. It's like foreign agents are spreading disinformation and turning people uh -huh. against each other. There's like an active, oh. there's like an active thing to turn people against each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. But I don't want to defend this movie super hard. I enjoyed it. And I like that right. Kevin Bacon turns around, but I'm not coming to be like, yeah. oh yeah, the Obamas made the best prepper movie or something. <laughs> I was in New York City during that blackout that happened in the like early 2000s yeah mm -hmm. yeah mid aughts and everybody just got drunk for like three to four days like yeah. for the most part <laughs> everybody got drunk there was some like nasty price gouging on water and stuff like that but for the most part like people were just sitting in the streets being hammered like that's kind of it like turned into what it what like it sounds like the party. 1940s were <laughs> like just everybody's drunk all the time. Nobody like can find street. each other. <laughs> right. Well, and that's yeah. what that's what um, disaster studies like the, the academic field has shown is that by and large, when there's a disaster, everyone takes care of each other. There's like a notable exception. It's called um, elite panic. I think I can't remember the 
the people who have something to lose, like the people who are current previously in control, they're the people right. who are going to run around and start shooting looters and all of that, right? Yeah. But overall, people get together pretty naturally and are like, well, what needs doing? How do yeah, we right. do it? Or oh, let's I just got hang some out of that. outside. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Elite Panic, I think, is like r- perfectly summed up in that picture of the McCloskeys from the 2020, the summer of 2020, the yeah. uprisings, the family that had yeah. a fucking machine gun and the lady with like the pistol. You know what I mean? That yeah. truly was like, ah, fucking these people want Holding justice. Holding a pistol like it's a wine glass. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Just like loosely the guy had fucking hand. mustard sh- stains on his fucking polo shirt. You're like, you fucking yeah. dweebs. Get the fuck out of here. But he thinks yeah. he's an operator because he has an AR-15. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Operator in a golf shirt. Yeah, that's, that's a, a very sick, specific. That's person. a pretty good band name too. Elite operator panic. in a golf shirt. No, yeah. Elite Panic, but Elite Panic <laughs> is a good one. Operator well, their first album could be Operator State. in a golf shirt. Yeah, in the, and it's just got that dude on the cover. <laughs> Country Club Operator. Yeah, <laughs> as long as it's a death metal band, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, the other thing it reminded me of is when the roads were too muddy to leave Burning Man, mm-hmm. and like. Chris Rock was like, they're fucking coming for us, man. They're going to kill us all. We're all going to die. Like, you, like, completely lost his shit while everyone else was just like, this is very inconvenient and I might lose my job. Yeah. uh, You know, he and whatever wealthy people he was, like, hitchhiking with were like, this is the end of the world. This is how it ends. They're going to come for all of us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What is something you think is underrated? Okay, I'm sticking with the same theme. Uh, knowing mm-hmm. your neighbors, underrated. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Huh. I think that most people, well, what if, yeah. a lot of people don't know the people in their floor of their apartment building or the people in their parlor or, you know, whatever it is, right? Like, just yeah, not even necessarily get along with them, not necessarily go to all the same places and invite each other to birthday parties, but just like, know who they are talk to them every right. now and then know their do you have the ability numbers. to knock on their door and be like oh, what the fuck's gonna happen you know what i mean yeah. like do you have oh, that level of familiarity with something with your neighbor yeah yeah i just sit by my front door and smoking a cigarette and saying who's this guy who's this guy every time someone walks yeah. by my front door you know yeah. like <laughs> casino like, yeah like with the, binoculars you know, though too yeah. so, who's, who's this, this guy, guy? Who's who's this guy? guy? it's someone this guy 20 doing? feet away on the sidewalk you're like what He's walking his dog, Jack. Yeah, hey, who's Jack, this guy? Who's this guy? The guy who lives in the house behind yours. You, <laughs> you yell at my dogs all the time. That's who right. this guy is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, I think. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll get into that part as we talk a little bit more about uh, preparedness. But like, yeah, like it's knowing people around you is just in general preparedness or not. It's it's just fundamental, I think, to understanding that you also live in. A functioning world too because when you're siloed off like you're just gonna fill in the gaps I'm like i don't know what the fuck they're doing over there what yeah. they're fucking into or some shit you have like intrusive thinking like that versus like oh yeah that's uh stacy and them like yeah. yeah they 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 work at the hospital or they do this and i don't know we don't have much we talk about other than like exchanging pleasantries but i have their phone number yeah my just my neighbor's this older woman who lives alone and you know our communications consist of your power out too? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Hey, you know a good plumber? Right. Where'd right. you get gravel? Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> Does your water pressure know. suck like randomly on like Tuesday mornings sometimes? Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's so much to talk to your neighbors. Hey, about. you want to yeah. split a cord of wood? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. 
All right, let's let's take a quick break and we'll come back and keep the conversation going. We'll be right back. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring the Kardashians, of course, and... Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. We and back. yeah, like I said, we, we wanted to talk cool people and we will talk about cool people who did cool stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of people who are having the same thought right now that like maybe I don't want to be living here in this way right now. Like I grew up with a pretty limited view of what it meant to be a prepper or a mm-hmm. survivalist that, yeah, it it involves, you know, people who are like in some branch of Christianity that I'm not familiar with, you know, like it's a, it's a <laughs> lot of people I'm like, sad. <laughs> yeah, like with like living with like barrels of gasoline on a compound somewhere. And yeah, like Miles, you were saying you look, you were like searching for prepper stuff on Amazon. And yeah. The best place, I think just to make it feel less to complete <laughs> yeah, the sort the of most apocalyptic mainstream. circle. Cause yeah. Like, yeah. you know, to your point, Jack, like, a, I think most people's perception of this practice is informed by shows like fucking Doomsday Preppers. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, right. 
you have to put doomsday in front of the word to even like enter like the concept of preparedness um, or like the Internet dunking on like some person who bought like 7000 cans of SpaghettiOs and machine guns. <laughs> and you're like, what the <laughs> fuck world is this? But like, yeah, just looking because like I'm always interested because like Amazon is where like most people just shorthand are like, I, I don't know about this thing. I just need the thing. Yeah. And then so when I started typing in like just prepper. Mm -hmm. The things that auto-filled were so absurd. Like, some were easy, like long-term survival, uh, survival kit and gear. One thing just filled in. It said, prepper gear and supplies for all-out war. It was, like, something people were just, like, like are you, are you looking for this thing? Yeah. Like, for all-out fucking war? Yeah. No. What the fuck? And, like... The whole aesthetic is just sort of like wrapped up in this like like vision of like you are going to die in a hot war that most likely goes <laughs> nuclear. Yeah. I hope you are ready to wear battle fatigues all day and yeah. eat your wife's fucking leg. Like that's let's say you're gonna want to eat your wife, but if you if it comes to that, here's how to best prepare her body. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, it oh, doesn't yeah, the, feel the book like I wrote how to prepare <laughs> how to prepare bodies for yeah how to yeah for how to prepare how to prepare hamstring meat uh, <laughs> seventy different ways the but filet like, mignon it, of the thirty year old body filet mignon it, <laughs> that's right like it doesn't feel you know it feels it freaks you out it makes you feel like you're yeah. so fucked why even try yeah and. I'm like, it's just like also really heartening to hear you and others talk about like how this sort of mainstream idea of a person surviving on their own until their death is not only like harmful, but is like the worst way to yeah. think about surviving through totally. any kind of event ever. So, yeah, I mean, like what what was sort of your entry point? Because when we were talking at like first about having you on to talk about this, we're like, mm -hmm. I don't know, we're just going to like talk about fuck fucked up doomsday preparedness but no you have a much more community-minded version because that's the most realistic version of being prepared for any eventual event that could disrupt our day-to-day -day lives what's like well like, are, are there just like two schools of thought like the people who are the fully militarized version of like it's fuck you and it's just going to be me and my dogs type survivalist and people who are more like no, like, let's be realistic about what would happen if we had no electricity, we had no running water. Yeah. What do you do next? Yeah, I would say that there is there's a there's a split, but it's like less even the sort of slightly more mainstream prepping community is starting to be like, oh, these people who just want to live in a bunker and shoot everyone who comes near are, are idiots, you know, and right. that's like starting to be more and more the understanding. They are the people who like a lot of the people who called themselves preppers for a very long time, or at least the people who are very visible calling themselves preppers right. where a lot of these people were like oh you need your bug out location you need to train your 17 children in order to shoot enough rifles <laughs> or whatever you know right. and but i'm making a militia yeah I'm exactly kids, like, i'm building out my militia yeah and more and more people start talking about it as like look if you're planning for the zombie apocalypse you're doing it kind of as almost a, you're doing it as a joke but your actual plan is what do you do when a hurricane comes what do you do when you live in texas and your electrical grid is completely disconnected from every other electrical grid right. or what do you do when you're trans and your existence has been outlawed in the state you live in or what do you do when you know i where i live the power goes out a lot right because i right. just live in the mountains where there's it's kind of an underserved area and so the trees fall on the power lines and the power goes right out. you know or if you 
whatever your health condition is or ability level, like you might need medication or yeah. equipment that need electricity, things like that. Yeah, like your CPAP machine, you need to have a battery that runs it or, yeah, you know, or you need to know that you can get out of your driveway or just like right. fundamental disaster preparedness. And I think what's happening is that the United States is becoming a less stable place to live. Overall, the world in general, like a lot of the stuff around supply chains is less guaranteed than it was a few years ago, right? And so people are starting to be like, what do we do about this? And enough people who are coming at it rationally are able to say like, well, the answer isn't fully automatic weapons. There's very few situations that fully automatic weapons are the correct answer for. And that doesn't mean that like, some stuff that comes from the old school of preparedness doesn't make a certain amount of sense, you know? Mm-hmm. It is ironic, actually, with the thing. I don't know how to cook meat. Like, I didn't, mm-hmm. I I grew up eating fast food and then I became vegan. And so, like, right. I probably need to learn how to cook meat. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like, like, I don't, I don't eat it right black. now. But I'm like, <laughs> right. what, if, what if I need to cook it for someone? What am I going to do? I'm going to kill them right. by accident, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I think that the prepper scene is changing. I think that one of the things is that people... I'm one of the only people who's going to call myself a prepper in this situation, but I'm used to being kind of antagonistic. I'm kind of used to being antagonistic right. to the traditional preppers, right? Right. Right. And, but community preparedness is a, a growing interest of more and more people. And I'm very happy for that. I actually started Live Like the World Is Dying right before COVID, like about a month. I, I started in January 2020, I think was the first episode. Wow. So like episode three is entirely wrong. It's an interview with a public health professional in the UK who's like, oh, we think COVID's not going to really be a big deal. But but yeah, like and. And you're right that when when people hear this, like, oh, you everyone needs to be ready to live in a foxhole and die of dysentery. People right. are like, well, I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to prepare to die. Like, you know, right. I, I meet a lot of people whose plan is like, oh, if there's an earthquake. I'll just be one of the first people to die. That's not a problem because everyone right. accepts, has to accept their own death because you're alive. Right. That's like part of being alive. But yeah. what we can do is we can say, you know, certain things don't need to be a big deal. Like. When I, t- when I talk about like people having go bags, or, or guess, go, called bug out bags or whatever, I believe in these. But I don't believe in these because I'm like, oh, we got to take to the hills and live in the woods and shoot squirrels because the Antifa have taken over the government or whatever. Right. Yeah. I believe in having bug out bags or go bags because sometimes you're in your car and there's an ice storm and you have to sleep in your car. Right. But, you know, yeah. so yeah. in the same... It's the same reason we have a spare tire and a jack. Like, just also have a sleeping bag or a wool blanket and a, some cliff bars and, you know, a, a day of water, whatever. Right. Yeah. Is there, like, are there things that people, you know, like, because the more I think about it, I'm like, I'm, I'm shedding the old sort of idea of, like, skull and crossbones, mm-hmm. radioactive imagery in my mind of, like, disaster preparedness. What is like, what's the easiest way to get some momentum going where you're like, I want to, I actually, you know, now that I have like a child and things like that, mm-hmm. I do think like it only takes a couple of things to go fucking wrong. And then you're like, I can't go to Trader Joe's yeah. and get what I need. Yeah. Um, like there are sort of easy ways to sort of look at how, what your own situation is and just like be like, and also I want to make sure people that I care about in my community, I can also be part of something too, like a network of people that yeah. are trying to help each other. What are like, aside from probably just the easiest thing would be like, just get to know your neighbors, probably step one. 
what are just like other ways to sort of like look at that holistically that isn't sort of like okay well do you do you have small arms training and hand-to-hand combat training but right what are like what how do i how do i sort of help shift my own thinking like that well you got the first step completely right the first step is literally just know your neighbors and then i would say the other stuff start with a little bit of like home preparedness like three days be like if we were all stuck in the house for three days, do we have the food? Do we have the water? Do we have the cooking supplies? Do we have any medications that we need? Where any random three-day interruption in services or whatever, we'll be fine, you know, because most interruptions in services don't last all that long, right? right? So, and then people tend to go like three days, three months, three years as kind of like, the sort of steps one could take. But I would do the three days and then I would look into a go bag. I would look into if there's a certain type of crisis. If you live on the West Coast, obviously like earthquakes are a potential risk, right? And so some of the stuff with earthquakes is like not that big of a deal. You just like, well, you have a go bag for everyone in your family where you have like copies of your important papers and it's less like make sure you have a tent and a hatchet and more like (laughs) make sure that you have some over-the-counter meds and like, you know, and make sure that you have copies of your your documents and and that you can just if you're like we have 10 seconds and we have to get out of the house this is what we go and do and if you live somewhere where cars are part of your life do you keep your car at more than half gas you know right right yeah so i would start with that and and i would say that one of the best things about preparedness is that you can actually use it to lower anxiety about problems because once you have done everything that you reasonably are going to do for a problem it's not always easy, but you can start letting go of that problem in your mind. Like when I lived yeah. in a, a cabin, my own preparedness journey is a little bit more backwards. I lived in a out of a backpack and then a van and then a barn and then a cabin. And now I live on grid in a house. But when I lived in a cabin in the woods, I was like, well, what happens if there's a forest fire? What will I do? And so I prepared to go back. I kept my car half full of gas. And then I stopped worrying about it because right. I was like, right. well, I've done what I'm going to do. So now yeah. I'm not going to lose Come sleep on, over a forest fire. Yeah. And I think to the other point about community preparedness, I think that is actually the best way to look at it because to, you know, the way we're talking, all of the imagery around it is like, it's you and you fucking alone. And it's it's off putting. It's like, dude, I don't want to fucking engage with that shit. That's terrifying. Like, I don't want to be like, all right, am I ready to die alone? Yeah. Versus like, I can actually lean into more in like a way that feels optimistic to be like, am I, am I tapped into something where I know between everybody we'll be able to figure it out because we're all kind of moving in the same direction that feels much more like positive yeah. and makes me feel more like sort of secure despite the insecurity of it all you know well yeah. and i would say that you know there's this classic zombie and disaster movie thing where as soon as every as soon as the existing system goes away some random strong man steps in and says, I'm in charge. <laughs> right, right. And it's either, yeah, right. if it's like a good Bring guy a skull movie, for a hat. Yeah, totally. Right, right. If he's the bad guy, he's got a skull for a hat. And if he's the good guy, he's got an American flag on baseball cap. And right, he's like, right, right. he's still That's kind right. of functionally the same guy. You and know, his and, name's Jack. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they always have like yeah, the right. Jesus J name, you know, like yeah. those protagonists. In those that's why I changed my name. Yeah. From <laughs> trying to prep. <laughs> and so what I've discovered is that when there's a, a a small power vacuum, it's not that the first person who has an idea is in charge. It's that the first idea that someone floats that sounds reasonable might pull people over. And so one of the things is to have experience. Like if you have activist experience, for example, you can kind of step in and be like, whoa, a bad thing happened. Let's all talk about it and figure out together what we should do. 
So yeah. if you are the first, the first person to go around and start knocking on doors in your neighborhood and be like, hey, the power's out and it's been two days. Like, why don't we all meet in the street and talk about it? You know? Yeah. Can shake Are you things. okay? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And then the other reason to, to a lot of the individual preparedness stuff, like having three days worth of stuff, a lot of that is so that when someone comes to your door and says, are you okay? You can say, I am okay. Do you need anything? Does anyone else on the street need something? You know, and having enough to share, like, out the gate. And then what you do is that you slowly get other people in your neighborhood to also have enough to share, you know? Mm-hmm. Only five people on the out of... 100 i don't know whatever i don't know the numbers here i'm making them up i live in the middle of the woods but you know if you live on your like suburban street or an urban area or something like not everyone needs to stockpile water but if enough people have some water stockpiled y'all yeah y'all are good and that seems to be the default like we've got i think it was the aftermath of the texas infrastructure breaking down like and freezing over like everybody's electricity being out or maybe it was one of the hurricanes but there was a lot of shit online that was like Houston loot crew coming through like people starting fake accounts to like claim that there was this like gang of marauding oh, people like coming through to mm-hmm. loot and then like when you look at studies that people have done into how communities react in these situations it's the default is they come together they like will share their resources with people in need they'll take care of one another and it's like actually pretty inspiring i yeah i'm constantly like i think it's an interesting mystery to solve as to like why we edit that out like why we tell the story <laughs> that it is the opposite of that where like it, it just you know th- that might make the local news but eventually it's going to get whittled down to they're killing people in the uh, fucking superdome which didn't yeah what was actually not happening but like that's yeah. still i think people's one of people's main memories of katrina but like what why is it because like hyper capitalism relies on us to be like kill or that on that like kill or be killed mentality? Do you think or wh- why do you think we're so prone to edit the people coming together to help each other out of history? I think that one of the reasons that Americans in particular, uh, especially white Americans, but obviously white Americans have influenced a ton of all American culture. Yeah. One of the reasons that we do it is because the founding myths of this country are rugged individalism and like the family homestead versus everyone else and the protection of property rights over everything else. I I never understood when I was younger, I was like, why does America talk about being land of the free? It's just hypocrisy. They owned people. What the fuck is anyone talking about? Right. (laughs) Right. And eventually you were like, oh, when they said free, they meant this really specific defined thing around property rights. Right. You know, rather than the rights of individuals and human rights and, and things like that. And so I think it it just doesn't tie into the the zeitgeist eh? Eh? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Bonus points. as well. If you have the like people coming together versus the like, you know, rugged band of survivors with the strong leader who then everyone shoots each other. And I mean, right. obviously, like sometimes firearms and, and self-defense matter, right? And the, the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, you had a uh, multiracial alliance of mutual aid people working as uh, common ground, and they had uh, armed standoffs against racist militias that were going around and shooting people of color, right? 
Yeah. And so like, I'm not arguing like there's no place for force and there's no enemies ever. Right. But right. overall, I, th- I think it's just, I think it's an American thing. I'm not sure. Right. Maybe media from other countries does this too. No. Yeah. But, I think it's definitely like, it's just that cultural momentum from being built on the thing. It's like, here's what you do. You see some shit, you mm-hmm. fucking point a gun at them and tell them to get the fuck out. And then that's yeah. yours. And then rinse and repeat. And I think there's also, there's just that sort of subconscious, like, will the pendulum swing back the other way? And if it does, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I right. think it is very different because even for me, also being half Japanese, like the way in a disaster, how people look at things is, I mean, to a certain extent, yeah. it's just so communally focused there. You, at a certain point, you have no individualism, which is a whole other issue, but that definitely like, like there's no fantasy of like, and then we got to shank people at the convenience store for a fucking donut or whatever. Right. Whereas like Americans really do like everything about that is sort of like, you don't know fucking like, look, man, we're fucking wild out here. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's just, it's like this weird thing we can't shake. And we've just had, whether it's like settling the frontier or the cold yeah. war, there's always some point to always be like, and then man, you don't know, man, the shit might come here and you need a bunker. And, right. you know, like yeah. we had movies that were kind of like having fun with the idea of like people's like atomic atomic bomb bunkers and shit like that. But yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, not that only are of- there like examples of movies like that. These are the rules. If you read a movie like a book about write, screenwriting and like how to write, these are the rules. It's like you need <laughs> a protagonist who gets fucked over by everyone around them. Like these are the rules of like yeah. how to write a plot, like the entire genre of the Western is what you just described right. as like this American founding myth of like, well, and I'm all out on the homestead and have to like fight off everybody because everything is out there trying to kill us. And then every zombie movie, we've talked through all the tropes of that, but like the, these are the rules of the stories that we tell ourselves about how the world works. And I, I think movies stick in people's minds more than anything else. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because chances are, if you haven't experienced it yourself, you're like, I'm pretty sure I saw a movie where that happened. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they were shooting each other pretty quickly. So that's probably what's going to yeah. happen. So, well, you, can, mo- you can make it happen by telling enough stories about it is one of right. the scary things. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Because right? then you exactly. have no imagination for anything except that. You're like, I, I'm yeah. now my thinking has been confined to yeah. this box where it's fucking Thunderdome. Like neighbors turning on neighbors in a like disaster or like just in a bad situation is like has happened, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's very like it's very rare but we love to fucking focus on it and love to tell fictional stories about it to the point that i would think it's the default but it's definitely like across history the vast exception right but speaking of movies i do want to let let's take a quick break and then i want to come back and talk about a couple episodes of cool people who did cool stuff that you guys mentioned a couple times during the episode that it's mind-blowing that this story is not a movie yet But it's a great example of, like, the type of story that doesn't get told that should get told. That's, like, a better story than most Mm -hmm. stories I've ever ever heard. It's about the invention of the paramedics in uh, Pittsburgh in the late 60s. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and get into that. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. 
Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabel, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course, and Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. And people need to go check out cool people who did cool stuff, both of your podcasts. But there are so many great episodes of cool people who did cool stuff. There's the recent one about the collective in Weimar, Germany, who, like, as Nazism is rising up and, you know, the economy is collapsing around them, they collectively, like, deliver one million illegal abortions a year as yeah. birth control <laughs> is being, like, just so incredible and badass and but i did want to talk about this story about the invention of the paramedics because it's a group of people a community suffering under severe systemic racism in pittsburgh and they come together and become the first paramedics in the history of america maybe the world they are the reason we have paramedics today. Like all the life-saving care we expect to show up in an ambulance started with them. And it was pretty, it was like, I would have guessed so much longer ago, but it was yeah. like 1968. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It, it's another example. I've talked before about how like there are two types of inventions. There's like the iPhone, which is like something that, is invented through sheer like 
tyranny of will like years before the world might be ready for it and mm. it's like in in front of and then there are the inventions that like the world is repeatedly calling out for and <laughs> like just people just keep fucking <laughs> fucking it up yeah like the screwdriver was invented after the screw so they Wait, were just what? like yeah, they like years. <laughs> at, the screw existed. Using a chisel. Just yeah, like, they were just like whatever they had on hand. They were like, I guess this coin can kind of get it in right. there. And hey, it's like keep like, my thumbnail <laughs> real long. It took them like fucking decades to invent the screwdriver. But the paramedics seems like just listening to you like tell the story of you know. It starts, you, you start it with, like, people drunk driving ambulances around the Civil War. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, Wait, so uh, what What did it look like? Because I, I haven't listened to this episode. So what, yeah. what we were just, what, just pulling up to the, basically to the hospital before? Like, just some in the back of the car. It's like, get them to the hospital. So there would be people who would go around. There'd be someone you could call, and they would send an ambulance. And mm-hmm. the ambulance would not be an ambulance. They would send a car. And it was different place. It was different in different places. There was no central idea of how to do it. A lot of times, it was cops, and cops don't always treat different people the same. Wait, what? I've heard, I've heard of yeah. this. I've heard of this. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. Uh, don't worry, it was a long time ago. And then <laughs> also, uh, funeral homes were a big one. The funeral Oof. homes had a hearse, Sends and you could a put a person in a hearse. So you you're like. You're trying not to die of a heart attack and a hearse shows up and they're literally like there's like pedals left over from the last person. And it was just it was private services. And the other one was firefighters. And then the other one was just like purely private services where there's someone in your neighborhood you can call and like John will come over and and drive you to the hospital. J name. Yeah. Uh, He's the hero of the story. Mm -hmm. Obviously. (laughs) No. And so, yeah, they just they're. This com- it completely blew my mind, too. Like, if you had asked me when the paramedics were invented, I would have been like Victorian era and it was a little bit late that it took that long. Right. Or literally, this has always happened and people used to do it with litters, you know, where you have to like carry the person or whatever. Yeah, right, you know? right. I picture like somebody coming out and like plugging a fire bellows into your mouth and like, yeah. Well, that was the other thing is that CPR is a recent invention is the other, and they were yeah. invented by the same by guy. By the same guy. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, the, the thing that paramedics changed was that the person who comes to drive you to the hospital performs care for you there on the street. And there was a while where people weren't into it. People were scared, especially because the first paramedic team was all black mm. and so at first they were in an all black neighborhood of in Pittsburgh and it was like fine. But then eventually like the white people in the surrounding neighborhoods were like, we'd rather paramedics came than cops. We keep dying. <laughs> Just a quick so, note. Yeah. Yeah. And so then yeah. black people would come, but then it, random white racists would be like, no, please. I'd rather die of this heart attack. Just get yeah. me to the hospital. Don't all right. No problem. To... That's on yeah, you, bro. All right. I know. And that's the weirdest thing about like reading about the medical profession is that that's not the attitude that even like, like black doctors and black paramedics who are dealing with racist patients are like, and then we just have to do it anyway. And I'm like, y'all are made of better stuff than me. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay. I'll wait. I'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so an important person has a heart attack on stage Mm -hmm. and a nurse goes and is delivering like CPR, life-saving yeah. aid. And then the cops, who are the authority at this time in like getting somebody to the hospital, 
kick her ass out <laughs> yeah. like off stage and then drag this person to the hospital. I think you're going to say they kicked her ass. <laughs> like, just like, just like, <laughs> no, she was white. Yeah, it was a white nurse. Right. Oh, yeah, it was okay. a white nurse. So they yeah. just so kind of pushed her out of the way and were like, yeah. Yeah, why don't you go bake a pie, lady? Yeah, exactly. And they kill this guy by, yeah. you know, because they don't know shit about CPR. Well, because they're interrupting the intervention, yeah. basically. They're interrupting the CPR. And so this... Like, people are pissed. They killed a major, like, political figure, basically the head of Baltimore's Democratic Party uh, at Pittsburgh, the time. Yeah. Pittsburgh's, de- yeah. yeah, Democratic Party at the time. And so, yeah, yeah. So people are pissed, and they bring in this guy who had just kind of innovated CPR and was like, his theory was that you could teach everyday people to do this thing that would keep people alive for a long time or much longer than they were living before. And so they trained regular people to be the paramedics, like specifically not cops, or I guess they were open to cops and the cops were like, ah, fuck this. That's a training. We we don't do this. Sorry. (laughs) No, we don't do training. But what, so why do you think they went in that direction to like train people who weren't like not not being like we're a traveling band of doctors was it just like doctors were in short supply it was a couple different things one is that they they had this idea for this job paramedics and they were like who can we get to do this job where it's going to take like i don't remember the number of hours an awful lot of hours of training like an awfully long intensive thing we have no idea how financially feasible it will be. We have no idea whether or not this job will exist when you finish all of this training. Who's willing to do that, right? Yeah. And so it was not the doctors. And then also, yeah, like the I, I'm absolute shit at remembering names as soon as I've moved on to the next episode. I remember the story arcs and things. Sure, But sure. I can't remember the name of the CPR guy, but he's, he's white. Is it um, Stanger? Oh, that sounds right, but I really don't remember. Um, I remember a lot about his backstory. He grew up in um, Nazi-controlled uh, Austria William or something. William I don't remember. And <laughs> so he also, his thing is believing that we need to stop some of the gatekeeping around medical stuff. We still need to train people, and people need to be highly trained. But he right. was like, I believe we can train regular people. So that was like partly his crusade around it. It was partly the police unions were blocking cops getting training. And it was partly that the group that stepped up in order to say, hey, we're going to do this was a um, not really a mutual aid group, but a, a black empowerment group that taught entrepreneurship within this neighborhood and and did like stuff like drive around a food van and sell food out of the back to break the food desert. And they were oh, like, well, we can do it. We have some organizational right? ideas. And so it was coming out of the civil rights movement also. And so it was kind of specific parts of uh, black civil rights stuff meeting hey how do we destroy the gatekeeping of the medical industry and just like and then even then they had trouble getting people to come to these trainings right and so they were like kind of just rounding people up on the street so the first people the first paramedics were not just uh, black folks who were impoverished systemically from that reason but it was also a lot of felons it was some uh, people who didn't have any like stable places to live a lot of people who were dealing with unemployment vets with serious ptsd coming back from the vietnam war it was like it was like the fuck-ups you know right. and they were like well we're not the fuck-ups we're actually really awesome and they're doing all this amazing work which is part of why it would make such a fucking killer movie and amazing then there was even movie. the part like 
even at one point in order to get city funding, they were like, sorry, you need to have a white person. And so they right. were like, like, like just one. <laughs> and so they found a guy who had been the token white soldier in a black unit in Vietnam. And we're like, hey, can you be our token white person? And he was like, sick. Yeah, no, totally. That's fine. <laughs> oh, hell <laughs> And yeah. so you even have, you know, from a Hollywood point of view where you need that, they even have yeah. that. So it's a perfect movie. Yeah, you, you have your Chalamet. The- yeah. yeah, yeah, you have your new trope, the magical white guy. Like, yeah. oh, but he just like white. stays in the bag and doesn't do shit. Yeah, yeah. He's like, it's like, what does he do? It's just amazing. His whiteness, just even passively on off to the side, uh, the the doors that it opens. It's quite yeah. magical. But this is also something that we saw when we were talking about alternatives to policing and like this program in Eugene, Oregon, that. Has been going since I think the early '80s. I feel like it's called like Creeps or something like that. They gave it the worst acronym possible, <laughs> but it's like if if you need to call someone for help, but you don't want the police showing up with a gun, you have mm-hmm. this alternative. And like I remember reading a profile, and the things that they're solving are just like I don't know. This drunk guy is like having a fight with his partner, Cahoots, and I think needs- is what it's called, not Creeps. What is it? Cahoots. Cahoots? Isn't it Cahoots? Yeah, it might. I think it had a different name for it uh, oh, earlier okay. on, but I don't. It creeps as uh, Nixon's like committee to reelect the president, but uh, <laughs> right. it was something funny. like more sinister, though. Uh-huh. But anyways, like they would just like give somebody a ride. You know, it was just like yeah. really like community based. Like, oh, I actually know that guy, uh, or yeah. I know his cousin. I'm gonna have his cousin come give him a ride, and. Like you end up seeing this is what is useful about the Freedom House people being the people who are serving this community is like, you know, I think, Margaret, in the episode, you talked about if someone's ODing, they probably know who dealt them those drugs and can like go talk to that dealer and like find out what they took. You know, it's like they are plugged into the community. So you're just like paying for somebody within the community who knows people to go in and do the very basic, you know, work of also incredibly complicated and important work of like life-saving technology or life-saving medical care, but also just having that context and it being someone that like people are comfortable with and not somebody who's pointing a gun gun at you is, is so important and just like feels like this could be spread applied to like so many other places right like in the modern world where we're still where we still have this crisis of the place to call when somebody's having a mental health crisis or you know a lot of different problems is the fucking police like i don't know no i mean it just makes sense to me and especially when a lot of stuff that puts people in danger is criminalized you know you know when when you're dealing with someone who hasn't who's ODing. Oh, and then just to throw in that also the same guy whose name I can't remember was, I think, the first person to administer Narcan or like yeah. use Narcan not just as a way to pull people out of um, anesthesia, but also to pull people out of overdosing. But yeah, like if you're if someone's overdosing and you call the cops, you don't know whether you've saved that person's life or killed them. Right. Yeah. Is it Dr. Peter Safar? S-A-F-A-R. Again, I literally, it's just it, names go in and out of my head. It's awful. I. Yeah. I need and, to have yeah, a I script know. in front of me in order to We're remember. like looking and I'm like, there, it's like, there's like three doctors that may have there, invented CP. Like there Hoven, were, there were three Hoven, doctors. Safar and Jude. Yeah. It's okay. Peter Safar. He, uh, born in yeah. Vienna, Austria. Yes, and yeah, yeah, yeah. 
ended yeah. up becoming the yeah did C- and he, created CPR. Yeah, yeah. And he did all this like tricksy stuff to avoid serving in the Nazi army. Yeah. <laughs> he like like also almost killed himself to, with medical issues in order to be medically exempt from serving in the Nazi army. Yeah. Oof. He's just a cool guy. He's just yeah. And he also like usually I do these episodes about like great men in history and they turn out to be like awful to the women in their lives. Right. Yeah. Total wife guy. Oh yeah. Wow. Great wife guy. Wife guy. guy energy. Yeah. He, uh, he I mean not just energy. He they were like ballroom yeah, win waltz champions. Comp- yeah. <laughs> and like inc- included her in his plans and Right. Like I mean I don't have like I haven't read her account. I mean I've read some quotes from her, right? Sure, sure, sure. But like Compared to a lot of the people that I end up researching in history where they're like so dedicated to the cause that they treat everyone in their lives, especially the women and who are close to them in their lives, like terribly. This man is not an example of that. Yeah. But yeah, so they're out there. They're part of the community. They're the first people to like get the paddles out and go clear like on the street. Like they're, you know, they are like breaking all this new ground. A racist mayor comes in, pushes them out starts trying to replace them with cops, like just stops, like cuts their funding, keeps cutting their funding. It's like this, again, just like a movie scene that is incredible yeah. that Hollywood is sleeping on. During this period, Freedom House like gets their hands on a police scanner and start <laughs> yeah. like racing the police to get there to save people <laughs> because yeah. the police the police are taking their sweet ass time. So they're like listening to when there is a medical emergency and then like racing there to help people before the cops can show up. But just an, an amazing story of like, you know, people from the community, like the medical power to the people, like just all these, you know, all, all these really cool ways that this community came together against all odds. And like the fact that that's not the story we tell. And instead the story we tell is like fucking an entire genre's worth of Westerns. Right. It's like fucking yeah. so frustrating. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, that's Good probably job important. Connecting those two things. That was well done. Oh, uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think it's just, a, yeah, it's a probably important to like even think of it in that context of just sort of like, you know, being fed this, these kinds of stories over and over again. And it like, you know, to your point, Margaret, it's like, you can almost manifest it through like the rep- the repetition of that kind of like story arc. Whereas yeah. like we're now, I think a lot of people are feeling like we need to like transition to something different, something that feels more connected, something that feels more humane and uh, actually treats people with dignity. And yeah, and all these stories have been like in a way buried or whether that's intentionally or because they don't think it sells tickets or whatever, you know, we're, we're seeing that like that's actually our impulse is to just is to invent and iterate and do something that is actually for a communal benefit rather than like, here's a story of the guy who got so pissed off. He beat up everyone in town and then his daughter <laughs> got braces or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's so many movies. I know. The story of the tagline. Fucking like John Wick, nobody. Just beat up everybody in town. This guy's so pissed. You ever get so pissed that you just like beat up everybody in town? (laughs) (laughs) Like all those Uva Bull films are like that too, where it's just like Jesus Christ. Pissed off guy on a mission. Oh man! That's because every every American man is told that that's in his heart, and he he could do that if he had to. Yeah, and you're like, not every man can beat up every other man. That is clearly yeah. 
not true. That is you, not how math yeah. works. You know yeah. what I'm really good at? Going, help! Yeah. Help me! Yeah. <laughs> I think most men are because of patriarchy to be like, and then someone fixed it for me. And then I told myself I did it all myself because I'm a big boy. <laughs> well, Margaret Kiljoy, what a pleasure having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Yeah. The podcasts are cool people who did cool stuff and live like the world is dying. Where else can people find you, follow you, experience you, all that good stuff? Yeah, I have a weekly Substack called, I don't even know what it's called. It's just margaretkiljoy.substack <laughs> or whatever. And it I, I put out a post every week. Half of them are free and tend to be more public and political and talking about, you know, different ideological positions in history and things like that. And then the other half are for paid subscribers and are more personal you can find me on social media by searching my name. My latest book is a tabletop role-playing game called Penumbra City that I did with a couple people that comes out a week or so ago as people listen to this. And so if you like tabletop role-playing, that works. And then if you don't but want to read my fiction, my most recent book, I think it's my most recent, I don't know, uh, Escape from Incel Island is one of my books that listeners might enjoy where I make fun of not all masculinity, but the more toxic side of it on an island full of incels. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Is there a work of media that you've been enjoying? I've been watching Star Trek. Okay. Just Lower Decks, whatever the other new one is that I watched a bunch of. It's been my favorite comfort food lately. I like a lot of the writers on Lower Decks, and I haven't watched it yet, but... Oh, that makes sense. To. Yeah, the yeah. the one of the main characters is... I, I don't remember actors' names to save my life, but was like an actor in the space force that i really liked and i was like oh this is good yeah yeah totally all right uh miles where can people find you is there work media you've been enjoying yeah find me on uh twitter instagram uh threads anywhere with the at symbol at miles of gray uh find jack and i on our basketball podcast miles and jack Jack boosties and uh (laughs) also catch me talking shit about reality tv on 420 day fiance with sophia alexandra um tweet i haven't the thing i've been really do, I've, I've i've been been real busy with the rains and the, the the baby's birthday and things like that i did though watch the first episode of mr and mrs smith and that was pretty good uh, it's a pretty good it feels like it's obvious like the, the whole thing was like it's not b- b- like the film with brad and brangelina or whatever like that it just feels it feels like it's a it's a really good reimagining uh and if it, it feels like cool for lack of a better word like you know like when you used to, like when you're like a teenager and you see something like oh this is cool dang dog you know what i mean like cool, man. like now like as you get older you're like i really enjoyed like the cinematography or whatever like on top of being able to say <laughs> that i also watch and go this is like fucking cool <laughs> like i don't know how else to sort of describe it but anyway yeah, yeah nice. enjoy Tweet I've been enjoying. Stephanie Inslee Hirschenau tweeted, showing the kids, honey, I shrunk the kids and having to explain which inventions are zany Rick Moranis originals, shrink ray, and which are normal household objects, phone attached to the wall, or which were normal (laughs) household objects, which I just just had that same experience. And honey, I shrunk the kids still holds up, still goes. Like to the point that when it's raining, my seven-year-old's like, oh man, could you imagine this if it was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Oh hell, dude, when the sprinklers <laughs> came on, it was fucking cataclysmic. Yeah. So anyways, classic. I think there was an attempt in the works to reboot with or like make a remake of that called Shrunk 
but I feel like uh, they would fuck it up because they wouldn't be using like you know built sets. They would be just like trying to CGI it. Yeah, and it would all well, be they, jokes about how the kids are upset that they can't w- look at their phones. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Or like, yeah, or like they're all trying to get to their phone. Like that's the end game. It's like we just have to get to my phone. Yeah, totally. And all will be solved. They no, I think it actually man. would be pretty funny because the it's apparently supposed to start Josh Gad. So should okay. be good. <laughs> all right, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at the Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, DailyZeitgeist.com. Where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do you think people might enjoy? Uh, you know, it's uh, just, you know, feeling cozy. I like some new jazz. Uh, and there is a UK new jazz group called the Tanhai Collective, T-A-N-H-A-I. Uh, and they're just funky. You know, it's just like people always say, like, people aren't playing jazz anymore or whatever. It's that jazz, just especially new jazz, it's evolving. It's like feeling more like R&B or hip hop adjacent. But trust me, people still have the same level of, you know, chops on their instruments uh, and are able to do really interesting things. So check this one out. It's called Sal's Groove by the Tan High Collective. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, because footnotes, uh, we're probably just going to be linking off to the book that you used as your main source, which I believe is American Sirens by yeah, Kevin, Kevin Hazard. Hazard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from, from that episode. So we'll link off to that. It sounds like an incredible book uh, telling the yeah, story cool. that we just kind of went over. Uh, and then we'll link off to the two podcasts, which everybody should go check out. We will link off to all that in the footnotes. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning. We're back this afternoon to tell you what is trending, and we will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.